All right. Thanks. I appreciate it. Welcome to the Jesse Peterson Show. My name is Jesse Peterson. Tonight, we have a very interesting topic for you, so you may want to call uh, a friend and tell them to tune in. You don't want to miss this. We're going to be talking about affirmative action, uh, Proposition 209, and we're going to figure out how to get rid of it because we, uh, I am, uh, I'm sick and tired of black people whimping and whining and begging and uh, to the point that I don't want to be black anymore, so we're going to deal with that tonight. Uh, my guest tonight is uh, Kent Seaton, and uh, he is a member of the board of director of the Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny. And Chris Tillman is from the Black Voices. Thank you guys for coming on. Thank you, Jesse. All right. Uh, Chris, I want to I start with you tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I ask about affirmative action, I, I'd like to know what do you believe in? As far as what? As far as not affirmative action, but as far as race in America or what? Life and how we should live life. Uh, what is your perspective of life? What does Chris think about it? I think everybody's given a fair deck to a certain degree. It depends basically. But the United States is so diverse. Each state is its own different country. Yeah. And I think what happens to a lot of people, they get confused. That you can't judge the state of New York or New York City by what's happening in Chicago or what's happening in Los Angeles. You have to deal with each city and each district individually. When you say that, given a fair deck, what do you mean by that? Given a fair deck as far as it may, it's going to be hard because of skin color, because of religion. Some things are harder on other people than others. But you can make it if you try. Some are going to have to try harder. Yeah. But how does one get a fair deck? Get a fair deck? Yeah, you said given a fair deck. What do you mean by that? When I say that, I mean if you're born or if you're a citizen of the United States. That's what I mean. I mean you're about the fairest deck you got that's going on in this world today. I've been to a lot of other different countries, and there are a lot of people on this planet trying to get to the United States. It's not the best place in the world. But and it's not, you know, the, the Holy Grail or anything like that. But as we go right now, it's the best place where you can go from the bottom to the top. You said the United States is not the best place in the world. It's not the best. Where's the the best, best. I'm saying when I say the best in the world, I mean, it's not the utopia. Is it's not the utopia they were praying to in the late 1800s. But it is the best country in the world. It's the best country for its laws. Oh, OK. As long as we continue to do what the Constitution was meant to do. All right. That's constantly adapt and change the laws. And how do you feel about uh, affirmative action, Proposition 209? I think... Did you vote for it or against it? I didn't like 209 for one reason. What's that? It didn't state anything about religion. About religion? About religion. What do you mean? That was the problem. Everybody jumped on the racial bandwagon, but it didn't say what it could or couldn't do for religion. And that was one of them little loopholes in there that no one really talked about. But it wasn't about religion. It, it wasn't, but it took some good sentences right out of the Civil Rights Act. It took some good sentences out of affirmative action. And if you're going to take it, take the whole sentence. Don't adapt it. And that's what they did. And it made some people fearful that under this umbrella of race that they were hiding something else. And it was only one word that confused a lot of people. And I, I have to admit, I, I was... How would religions have made a difference? Because it basically said what you could not do. 209 basically said you could not. Discriminate. Right. But it didn't say you couldn't discriminate against religion. And to people who are just, I'm sorry, but the people who are just Christians or Muslims or something like that, 
it probably didn't matter that much. But there are a lot of religious haters in America that get forgotten because of the racial cause. So had they put in religion, you would have been in favor of 209? I think it would have made me think harder on it. Really? I would at least thought about it. That's interesting. Kent, what do you basically believe in? Uh, well, basically, uh, you're saying a life philosophy? Yes. Uh, I believe in that every man has the ability to make an effect on society in a positive way. If you live by certain values and standards, you can make a strong impact on things. But if you don't, you have a negative impact, and that's what we're seeing happening right now in America. And so were you for or against 209, Affirmative Action Bill? Well, what 209 did, and I I think I differ a little bit with him already, is 209 was basically saying that no more can there be laws passed by special groups trying to get affirmative action into the workplace? Okay, that's basically what 209 was saying. And I'm all for that. I think that that's a good thing. I think what it does is it actually makes a fair playing field for everybody, and it cuts down on the slavery, the mental slavery that is encouraged by affirmative action. So you are against affirmative action? That's correct. Personally. And, and why? Because what I've seen happen in the last 30 years since the 1960s, when we had uh, the Warren Court, we, we saw desegregation where the court itself was going to try to affect things for a, a positive thing. They were going to make things happen. They were going to give jobs. They were going to redistribute wealth. What happened is not that, Okay. What we've seen happen is, is rather than it be a temporary thing where we see affirmative action just for a few years, blacks and others, like women and so forth, they keep wanting more and more. We yeah. haven't seen things get any better. And so clearly, this is not working. What we have to do is we come back to where it's an honest playing field, and then we can see some actual change in the community. What do you want to say about that, Chris? I want to say, let's throw, let's throw some numbers out there. Let's, since we're just talking about 209, we're just talking about California. California is the only union, I mean, only state in the union that, that has a really diverse population like it does. And when you talk about affirmative action, it's really hard because you're talking about under the umbrella of affirmative action, 73%, that's including the women, would qualify for affirmative action. Of them, 73%, 21% were not even born in the United States. So now when you look at these two numbers, you have to ask yourself, well, if the majority of the state falls underneath the umbrella of affirmative action, shouldn't they be in power already? The answer is they're not. So now you have to ask your question, why? And who is eligible for affirmative action? If 21% of the people were not even born in the United States, then they have not suffered, quote, unquote, what Johnson meant in 65 when he came up with affirmative action. How does that women qualify for affirmative action? Because they were classified as a minority. But why? They're not a minority. Some people think that, but some people think otherwise. They think otherwise because women... Do you think that they're a minority? I think the last Senate voting proved that they were a minority. Because what happened was... When you say minority, are you saying there are are more women in the work... I mean, more men in the workforce than women or more women in the country than men? No, they don't mean nothing like that. When the government states minorities, what they mean in the affirmative action context is what group of people, all right, was basically held back by the laws, by culture, 
by the standing of the United States uh, judicial system, who was held back. Now, I don't think anybody would disagree that women were also held back. We can look from the 1880s. Every time the civil rights movement moved, the women's movement moved. They, they, they basically bounding you, over watched each other until the 1970s. How you feel about how do you feel about women jumping on the bandwagon of a, a program that was supposed to help blacks uh, come out of a bad situation? I think it hasn't changed. It's been that way since before the Civil War. But how do you feel about women jumping on board? They've always been on board. If you look historically, ever since before the Civil War, Uncle Tom's Cabin, women have always been there. With black people? With, with, not with black people. I don't like that cause. They were, they were very, um, they were out front in the in a, uh, anti-slavery movement because at one time we had something in common. Who? Women and blacks, at what, least from the women's point of view. What did we have in common? Well, the women thought they had no rights. Hmm. Now, of course, from the black guy living in a cabin who's getting beat, there's no <laughs> yeah, commonality yeah. there. Let me but ask, you, are you a product of affirmative action? I think I am. In what way? I think it's because my parents benefited from it In way back way? when um, by the jobs they were able to get. Really? But this is not so you're L.A. Not- this is Chicago. Now, have I as an adult benefited from it? No. You haven't? No, I have not. Uh, and, and how do you know that? I know that because I have not, I got to say this, applied or done anything that would fit Do you in believe that, box. that the problem is the white male, straight male in America? The Are they problem the problem? As far as what? Um, um, I guess lack of opportunity for other races. I think in America today, the white man's running scared. Do you think I think he's running scared. A perfect example of that is downtown L.A. They have classes for white males to teach them how to fight to keep their jobs. Really? And do you, how, you feel, how do you feel about that? doesn't bother me. I'm not a white male. Do you think it's fair that they're running scared? I don't think fair is a proper word. I think it's just that times change. Times change. I mean, I don't think if they were confident, if the ones who are scared were confident in their own self-ability, in their own self-worth, there'd be no problem. Why don't you feel the same way about black men? I do. So I why, think why would we need affirmative action then? Well, no, I didn't say we needed it. Oh, do we? You don't think I we say what I think what we need, though, we need something out there. And I, I don't agree at all with the affirmative action that's in place now in the state of California. I don't agree with it. Let's make that very clear. In some states, I do agree with it. Do you think white men are running scared, Kent? Absolutely. I, I think that the perfect example of this is the uh, Texaco incident where they had a $176 million settlement um, where the fact is is that the CEO of Texaco was scared that because his stock value was going down because of this lawsuit against them. A leakage had come out that there was a tape and so forth where it was apparent that some of the board of directors had spouted racial epithets. And I think what it showed me in that particular case was is this guy bowed down to this whole thing settled. He's now allowing a separate panel to come in and change the hiring practices of Texaco. Yeah. And it's intimidation. And that's what lawsuits are all about. It's, pretty, it's plain, plainly clear that that's what it was all about. He backed down. And what that really did, and this is Jesse Jackson's idea, is to really show, because he saw in 209 that people in America, they don't want affirmative action anymore. They're tired of it. They've seen enough. They've seen what it's done, and it hasn't helped black people. 
what they want is they want black people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps now. And Jesse Jackson knows that, so he's trying to show you little instances of, quote, discrimination within the workplace and say, hey, look at this, you know. And what, by this guy settling, it makes it look like there was discrimination, yeah. when in fact there wasn't. So this is what we have to worry about because we can't back down. Once we do, more problems are going to develop. Well, I don't, I don't like Jesse Jackson. I haven't liked him in over 20 years with Operation Bush back east. So he's, a, he's a group I call uh, uh, camera hounds. Do you agree with any of those liberal leaders, those black leaders? I think a lot of them have lost sight of times have changed. Yeah. I, I, it's like Jesse Jackson, perfect example, when the, they had this police beating out there on the freeway, and the next day he's standing on the freeway holding this Hispanic kid in his arm, boohooing. That's an embarrassment to me. Yeah. To me personally, that's an embarrassment. The Texaco incident I thought was an embarrassment because, because what two or three people say in a whole corporation does not mean a corporation feels that way, and Texaco very quickly went to the attack and solved a lot of problems before the, the so quote unquote certain leaders got involved. So a lot of the like you say liberals, you can call them liberals. I think they're lost. I think they're stuck in the fifties and the sixties. Yeah. And I I don't think. So what is wrong with black people that they're still whimping and whining and begging and blaming and they their communities are screwed up and they seem to be looking you know looking for someone to give them something. What is wrong with them? I think the wrong thing is the term saying black people do that. I don't think black people do that. I think but there's a small number of people who are at the bottom. You don't think black people do that? No, I, there's a small number of people at the bottom of the economic chain who are still being led by these people at the, somewhere in the collective liberal market out there, you know, the, the TV hounds that can lead them away. But there are a lot of people out there, in uh, black people out there in Washington, D.C., Colin Powell-type people, who... We don't read about because we are guilty ourselves as black people, even white people do it. We, if they're not on the TV, if they're not running the 100-yard dash in the football field, if they're not singing or dancing on stage, we tend to ignore them. Yeah. But if we don't read Fortune magazine to find out what companies they're running, who are the great educators. You know, you can call out a name and say, I know Michael Jackson, but do you also know Cornell West? You don't have to agree with everything these people say, but you should be aware of some of these people. Would you agree that most black men are weak? No. You wouldn't agree I don't with believe that. So why is it that they're not with their family, their wives, their children? That's funny you mentioned that. I just read a study on that today. Um, I think one, way back, FDC, FDC started it. And then once they, FDC started it, AFDC I think it's called, started it, it just perpetuated itself to today. Really? We need to take a break and I'll be back in a moment. It's Bond, the brotherhood organization of a new destiny. Rebuilding the family by rebuilding the man. For more information, call us toll free. 1-800-411-BOND. That's 1-800-411-BOND. Okay, welcome back to the program. My name is Jesse Peterson. We are getting rid of affirmative action tonight. Nobody here agrees with affirmative action. (laughs) My guest tonight is Chris Tillman. He's from the Black Voice. Voice. What is the Black Voice? The Black Voice started out as a newsletter about three years ago. It was... um, 
it basically was in the community newsletter. It talked about affirmative action and things like that that were important. And in fact, but now it's expanding. It's moving from just a uh, newsletter to a magazine, which the title will be changed. Oh, okay. And affect all of California. And Kent Seaton, director of the Brotherhood Organization of a Destiny Bond. What is that? What is Bond? Yes, sir. Bond is an uh, organization. It's a nonprofit that's rebuilding the community by rebuilding the man. That's what oh, it cool. is. <laughs> What's that? So, Tim, yes, sir. I want to clarify something, though, and make it very clear. I don't think you can ask a generic question as, are you in favor of affirmative action or against affirmative action? Why not? I think the proper way for me to phrase it is that I don't see affirmative action being any helpful in the state of California. But so there are it. some states, yes, but there are some states that are so far back, I mean politically, that are way back in the dungeons. Uh, I'm from Chicago, and I visit there every year, and it hasn't changed. Like, you need affirmative action to get some of them people out the Robert Taylor homes. You need affirmative action to get some of them out the projects. But, but how would affirmative action get them out? I think it, it's not really just necessarily getting them out. It's giving them assistance once they get to the border of getting out. Because, see, back there in a lot of them cities, a lot of people don't realize you still have some cities that have neighborhoods that were segregated for a reason. And these people have not left this neighborhood. I have a friend, a perfect example of the mindset of some of these people. I have a friend that lived in the projects in Robert Data Homes just a year and a half ago. She was ostracized because her friend found out she had croissants in her refrigerator because she said she was eating white. Now, this is that mentality. So once you come out, you're going to still have that mentality unless you get somebody to help you. And in some cases, it's affirmative action. Maybe not in all the times it'll work, but some places still need it. Ken, do you think we need any affirmative action at all? No, absolutely not. Why not? I, as I stated earlier, and... Well, um, how about the people in the wealth and the uh, projects and things like that? How would they get out if, if we don't have some kind of affirmative action to bring them out? How would they get out? Yes, sir. Uh, they would walk out, and that's <laughs> how they would get out. So. But how, though? I mean, if the white man is holding them back, they're not educated, is that right? Too? They're not educated. They're and not educated, so how would they get out? Well, like, like everybody else, you know, no matter what situation you're in, you, you, you make the effort. You go to the school. You go to night school. You work in the daytime. You do these things. You build your business. You know, you work on yourself. You go to the library. You think. You get around people who think. It's, it's not that hard to do. But most black people don't know how to think that way. So how do we get them to start thinking that way? How would I get people in the, in the uh, projects to think like that, yes. to, to think that they can go out to the library. Yes. Um, I think it starts at home, you know, really. I think that you have to look at the family life, and if the parents are into that stuff, it transfers over to the children, and that's how you do it. Let me clarify something here. We have to understand that in the 40s and 50s, the sharecroppers migrated to the north. Five million of them. Not all of them were lucky to get jobs in the steel mills and Ford plants and GM plants. So the people who didn't get them jobs, they built these projects and stuck these people in there. And they were very clever at what they did. They not only built the projects on one side of the street, they built the stores, the schools, and everything you would need right across the street. 
There are literally thousands and thousands of people living in these projects who have not left their whole life more than five blocks away. But it's sad to see that. I know, but what's wrong with black people that they don't seem to be able, not all, but most of them, that they allow those kinds of things to happen to them? I don't because think no one can do anything to you if you don't allow it to happen. I don't think it's most. I, I, but I those do, people that you're talking about, I think why did they allow that to happen to them? Because of the mindset. Going from a sharecropper, like you mentioned, the parents. You have a person who came from sharecropping parents who are not educated. They don't know anything. And they teach. We have a saying in Chicago. We had it. The numbers of the buildings like 201, 202. We said Johnny in 201 would meet Jane in 202, who'd get married and move in 203, who had kids and moved in 204, because these people had been living there. And in California, we don't see that. But it's so sad when you go back there. But you, you go can't to places see it. down. It's here. It's, in South it's, Central Los it's here, but it's all, you're talking here. about going from 23rd Street to 64th Street. You don't have that range of poverty here in them many blocks. You do have it here, but it's, it's not that wide. And it wasn't government sanctioned. People did not sit down with a map and say, we're going to build this, and we're going to make sure they don't cross this freeway and let's, they don't cross these roads. Let's do this. We're coming to the end of the program. Uh, I want to talk about, to Kent and then tell me, how do we change this whole situation? We don't need a permanent action. I agree to that. So how do we begin to make a change the situation that's happening, especially in the black community? Well, I, my, my idea, and I think Bond in general, is, is approaching this the correct way. And that's from a grassroots point of view, going after the man, trying to help the black man in particular realize his role in this whole destiny of the community. And that's how we, once we get the black man back into the family, because as we all know, the black man, many of them aren't in the family right now. So it's only the, the, the mother who's staying in the home. We need the black man back into the home, and all of a sudden we'll see something new happening and that's the kids getting stronger because of this male role model. And that's, that's what we need to do. What do you think the solution is, uh, Tillman? Education. Education. We need to do everything we can to supply good, proper education. Mm-hmm. Not high school, not college. I'm talking about at the very beginning, at kindergarten, When you say preschool. education, what kind of education? School education. You'd do you be surprised. academics? Academics is horrible. The public school system in the majority of the states of America is horrible. And how will that change the situation at home? Because I, I guess you agree that uh, most of black men are not in the home with their family. Right. That is right, right. And so how will we change that? Because that's where it's needed first, I think. Because to understand where you need to go, you have to understand it's even out there. So what To understand where you want to go, you have to even under, first understand it exists. And the way you find out, sometimes you can't find it at home, you've got to find it in the school. I don't quite understand that. Maybe it's, I'm, I'm, it's like me. I'm a high school dropout. Right. I'm not afraid to admit that. I'm a high school dropout. Yeah. Because no one sat down and told me when I was young that there was another world out there. Right. No one ever told me so that. So your dad never told you that? Not to the point where it made any sense to me. Did you, were you, were your dad, was your dad in the yes. home? Yes. But he never taught you how to deal with the world? Taught me how to deal with the world I was living in. Oh, I see. But, but not, not the world outside I was living in. Oh. Only that, the world that I was immediately in. And that was not around Hispanics, Asians, whites. That was all black. But there was nothing made clear to me that, wait, as a man, I'm capable to go to Japan and Germany. And but wasn't it his responsibility to? It was, and he faltered you. at that. Oh, okay. And so if we go back to that, that'll make the difference then, right? We start right. at the home first, you think? You, you have to start at the home. But right. I'm saying if you don't have the home, you need a second source. Yeah. 
Um, how do you feel about homosexuals jumping on the affirmative action board uh, wagon? That's a quagmire. There, <laughs> that's a deep subject. I guess that depends on each individual's religious beliefs. I said, how do you feel about them doing it? I don't think it's proper. You don't? No. Have you spoke out against it? No. In fact, you're the first person to ask me that question. Yeah. But I would say no. I don't believe it because the, the basics of affirmative action from the 64 and 65 is what's happened in the past. Yeah. It doesn't count for them. Okay. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on with, at the end of this program. <laughs> and uh, we will be doing a part two on this series. Thank you for coming on. We'll be back next Monday night. Tell somebody. Welcome to the program. My name is Jesse Peterson. And uh, tonight we're talking about affirmative action. We're talking about Ebonics. We're talking about black people and what is wrong with them and how to help them overcome the problem. As a black man, I am sick and tired and fed up with uh, the wimping and whining and blaming of black Americans. And so we're going to deal with that tonight. I would also like to say I am the uh, founder and president of uh, the Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny. And its purpose is to rebuild the family by rebuilding the man. I realize that nothing is going to change in uh, the black family and in this country until black men come back to order. All men, but especially blacks. Because most of the black men, 99.9% of them are afraid. They're very weak. They're very insecure. And it's abnormal to be that way. And we're going to talk about why and uh, how to overcome that. Because it doesn't matter if the white man uh, loves you, if he gives you money, if he gives you programs, if he allows you to move into his community, you're still not going to get better until we put the man back in, into the home, rebuild the man. Uh, my guest today is Chris Tillman. He's from the Black Voice. Uh, Chris, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Before we go to uh, Kent, what is the Black Voice, and uh, tell me about that. The Black Voice started approximately three years ago as a community newsletter by a friend of mine uh, named Mark Walker. And him and I have been working on it, and with luck and support from the community, it's now going to grow, hopefully uh, this year, into mm -hmm. a statewide paper. And uh, my, my next guest is Kent Seaton, and he is on the board of director of the Brotherhood organization of a new, de new destiny. Even though we are focused on black men, we deal with all men. All men. Uh, Kent, thanks for coming. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, um, we already know what Bond is about. Uh, what is... Oh, yeah, we are live. I forgot. We are live. So if you want to call in, there's a number that you can call right now. Uh, we are on for 30 minutes, so I suggest that you get right in. And we want to hear from you. Just call that number and let us hear from you, all right? I forgot about that. We have a call already? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, who's on the line? Hello? I can't hear them. Okay. While we're getting the caller on the line, uh, Chris, were you in favor of affirmative action or against 209? It's a double question. <laughs> I mean, were you for 209 or against 209? 
In his writing, I was against 209. In his writing? In his writing. The Meaning way it what? was phrased. The religious element was not placed oh, okay. in there. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think we need to get rid of affirmative action? In California, yes. In California, yes? Yes. Why in California? We have black people who are having problems here. Yeah, but Why in California? I think California because it's not a black and white issue. It's not a black and white issue according to the text of the day. It's a minority issue. And when you take into context the minority issue, 73% of the population of California falls underneath that affirmative action umbrella. For 73% of the population telling me that they can't make it, I can't believe that. I, I just can't accept them figures. Now, yes, since if you're telling me 35% of the state can't make it because there's this top 10% and that's not letting them make it, I can believe that. But 73% of the people... I can't accept that, especially when out of them 73%, 21% were not even born in the United States. So they should not even be entitled to affirmative action. And how about you, Kent? Were you for or against I'm, affirmative I'm, action? I'm for uh, getting rid of affirmative action. And why is that? Uh, basically, what we've seen in the last 30 years is we've seen programs trying to give people something, give them jobs, and really what's been happening is is black people have gotten worse. The community has gotten worse in those last 30 years. We need to do something else. We need to let them get on their own, go to school, get educated, and start getting jobs in a level playing field. And that's when we'll see things start to change in the community itself. And when you say gotten worse, in what way? Well, what I'm talking about is when you look at the black community right now, in general, there are more people on welfare than there were 10 years ago. There are more babies being born out of wedlock 10 years ago. The illiteracy rate is higher and higher. Unemployment is higher. So what we're seeing is, is we're seeing a trend towards a community that's f falling apart rather than one that's getting stronger. And uh, do you agree with that, Chris? To a certain degree, yes. But I always ask people, when people start hollering and screaming at me about they need affirmative action, the next question I ask is, what college are you going to? Because I want to know right off the bat, what are they doing to better themselves? In the state of California is one of the easiest states to go to college, and still, even though they've raised it, the cheapest. And considering that a semester of junior college is equivalent to what a lot of these kids have on their, in their tennis shoes on their feet, I cannot accept them not going. Yeah. So that's my first question. Well, Chris, I don't understand why you think we need it in other states and not California. Because I mean, if a person is willing to work... And, and, and strive and do for himself, he can make it really anywhere if he wants to. So why do we need it anywhere? Because other states just are not like California. California, even though the streets aren't paved with gold, it's way better than the majority of the I states. I know, but in other states, you people still, are working. They are doing well. Those that are, uh, are trying to do it. Well, for example, down south, you know, you still have sharecroppers. You have sharecroppers that have worked that land even when their relatives were slaves. I cannot, in my right conscience, judge that human being with the same mindset that I have. I cannot. These are people, some of these people, they still use outhouses. They've never had a TV. They, but that affirmative action is not going to change that. But it may assist. In what way? It may assist because what affirmative action is going to teach you how to build a better toilet or what? No, but it will send, it can send, if the affirmative action is working, <laughs> it can send a representative out and say, hey, we have these jobs for you instead of just keeping them locked in there, keeping them down there. It can send a representative out to say, hey, we have three slots open for people from this district. But, Chris, aren't you embarrassed as a black man that you even have to ask the white man to go out 
and tell another black person to clean his house or or discover that we are using indoors toilets and put one into his house. Should he already know that? Well, I mean, I don't, who, I don't look at it as black people. I look at it like this. I've seen the white people up there in West Virginia doing the same thing in the hills. They're suffering from the same fate. But black people got it. For the few black people that there are in this country, right. most of black people uh, are out of order. You know, they, they're, waiting, they're waiting for a, a handout. Would you agree to that? I would say they make the loudest noise. But you wouldn't say that they're waiting for a handout. I don't know about the majority. I can't state that. I, you know, I, I can't say the majority, but I will say that they make the loudest noise. When you the say ones they make the loudest the noise, you mean that they are doing the most begging and whining? The big time. Blaming. We've seen that in the Texaco situation. Yeah. We have people coming from all over the country trying to get in our business out here about the Texaco situation. Yeah. And how about, how about the uh, drugs in South Central Los Angeles? Were you embarrassed by uh, blacks blaming whites for that too? Big time. You were embarrassed. I don't accept that. Yeah. I mean, it's like an old thing like my grandmama used to say. You can be poor... You, you may not have much, but that doesn't mean you have to kill the grass in front of your yard and be dirty. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean because somebody brings you crack to your neighborhood means you got to snuff it and shoot it in your arm and do all that kind of stuff. Let's take a call. Uh, caller, you on the air. Hello? Is she there? Got it. And I don't really have a problem. Okay, with we doing, are live. But, if uh, you want to call, I think hello? you're on the air, but we can just you can't hear, me? hear you. Is that right? Can you hear me? Hello? Now we can Hello. hear you. You yeah. can hear me now? Yes, we can. Okay. But he has to understand that the majority of those minorities that he was speaking of came here under, under an immigrant type of situation. We came as slaves. And the mindset of an immigrant is totally different from that of a slave. A person going to a place for a better life feels different than a person that's riding, let's say, in chains. So we haven't been freed from slavery that long let me to ask say you. that our whole outlook is different. Do you have let the me, mind? Let me, let me comment on that yeah. because I think it's an interesting point that you make. And what I want to dispel is the myth that slavery has ended because it hasn't. It's, it's continuing. We have a mental slavery right now with affirmative action. What you're doing is you're keeping black people in shackles because you're promoting a stereotype that black people can't make it unless they're given something. I, I totally disagree with you because, you see, black people are still in chains. And that That's what I just said. That's exactly what I just said. They're still I mean, in chains, the but they're system. mental chains and now. In the jail systems, the, the brothers are back in the chains, and they're back doing that free labor or that, that minimum wage thing. Or not minimum wage, but in the jail system. So, see, we're going right back into the chains, Caller. and the time that they're giving them... Is is we're going we're regressing. Yeah, and I don't hello? think that hold affirmative on. action should have been for the immigrants as much as from the slaves. Let me ask, what is your first name? I'm Lenora. And where are you calling from? I'm calling from Los Angeles. Lenora, do you have the mindset of a slave? I think so. You you think like I a slave? I think I do. I think I do because I've been trained are you on by, welfare? The, by slaves. Uh, These people are Lenora. still slaves. Lenora, are you, you are on, slaves. Are you I on welfare? Lenore. Yeah, I'm here. Are you on welfare? No, I'm not on welfare. Are you working? I'm working. And so if you're able to work, how do you have the mindset of a slave? Because slaves came to this country to work. But tell me, how do you think? How do you know in in, in our native land if we had to work the way that we're working here? We don't don't know that. You don't think you should have to work? I I don't think that black people should be characterized with immigrants. We are two different people with two different situations going. If you and I go to Vegas and we're riding in an air-conditioned car and somebody's chained up in the trunk of the car, they're going to feel differently about getting to Vegas than you and I feel because we're going there for jobs. When those people arrive in the trunk in chains, they don't know where 
where they are. They don't know what their purpose is. And you see, back in the day, a <laughs> black man was penalized if he loved his woman, if he loved his children, because we were always being separated, and we could not share one-on-one with love. That thing is still Lenore. handed down. Lenore. We thanks, have to be Lenore. reconditioned. Hello. Thanks for your call. I appreciate yeah, you calling. Yeah, but call. you know I'm right, Mr. Peterson. Okay, I appreciate you calling. <laughs> I, I'm going to call you again. All right. Thanks All right, so much. take care. Love your show. Uh, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Uh, Chairman. A lot of black people think like that. They they are blaming slavery for their situation. They they in this generation, it absolutely blows my mind to see that. What do you think about that? I think it's sad, but I'm going to show you the, the the biggest affront to the whole argument is that very simple. Very few black people, okay, really know the true history. I mean, yes, okay, slavery was horrible; it was changed, but there's a huge history before that. And there's a huge history after that. So many people, when they go to school, the only time they hear about black people and the first time they hear about them is slavery. But there's a gigantic history before that. Also, we never hear that blacks sold blacks to other to the white man. And blacks owned slaves. there were other blacks who owned slavery. We seem to leave that out. And you know Uh, why? I'm going to tell you, this is the most fascinating part. In this country, they have libraries you can go into every day for free. Yeah. But how many people get off their tail, carry their butts in the library, and research this material? Most blacks are very lazy. Why is that? I don't know. I, have, I, I can't say most. I'm not going to be putting a thing with say most, but I'm going to say this. Let's just say, say 99.9. <laughs> we, won't, we won't say most. But it's shocking to me that most people don't know at least not, I won't say the, the basic fact, but all the facts. Yeah. I mean, you've got to know there's a gigantic mm-hmm. thousand-year history before that, and there's a history since that, but they, they got that slave mentality because they don't go to the library and realize there's a heritage there. They hate to read. Kent, you said that in, they are enslaved mentally. How did that happen? Well, that happens uh, through the leaders. The black leaders themselves are lying to them, and they're believing these lies. You, you have lies like black people believe that maybe the CIA is bringing in coke and feeding it into the neighborhoods. The, the, it, preposterous stuff, and this is brainwashing that's going on. They believe that the white man is holding them down, and yet every group that's come in here has been successful. You look at the Koreans, you look at the, you know, when you go back, the Greeks, the Italians, they've all done well for themselves. Yeah. And that's how, that's evidence of slavery, mental slavery. Why is, it so, why is it so easy to tell black people anything and they believe it? Well, the problem is, is they, they have hate in their hearts. And this is the core of the problem, is when you are emotional and you've reacted to something, hate, and this is hate, uh, you are then sort of, I guess, traumatized by the experience, and now you are culpable and vulnerable to that person. Yeah. So when somebody tells you a lie about them, you instantly believe it. It's a very similar analogy to, let's say, you had an argument with somebody, and your friend says, somebody tells you, yeah, they, you know, they were saying this, and this is a good friend of yours, but you've had an argument. Now you've reacted, and one of your friends says, yeah, he did this too. You start to believe that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, and this is on a big scale, and so all of a sudden that starts happening. Tim, have you noticed that you can tell black people anything and they'll believe it? You can tell them that the white man put poison in Jim Dandy's fried chicken, and they've been, eat, they've been eating Jim Dandy fried chicken all their lives, and all of a sudden Jesse Jackson or one of these uh, crooked preachers, because most of the black preachers are crooked too, uh, Maxine Waters or someone tell them, the white man is putting poison in, and Jim Dandy's fried chicken to sterilize black people, and right away they believe it. It doesn't the have to be example true. Is this. Why do you think that? The have you noticed mentality. that that happens? Because you're not man enough or woman enough to stand up and say, I'm in this situation because of me. Like the slavery mentality. 
I'm very proud to say I don't have a slavery mentality. We need to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to take your question. If you'd like to call in, we are live. Feel free to call in. My name is Jesse Peterson, and we'll be back in a moment. Bond, the brotherhood organization of a new destiny. Rebuilding the family by rebuilding the man. For more information, call us toll-free, 1-800-411-BOND. That's 1-800-411-BOND. Welcome back to the program. My name is Jesse Peterson. We are on live, so if you want to call in, just call that number, and we'll get you on the air. We have a caller waiting. Caller, what is your name? Hello? What is your name? My name is William. And where are you calling from? Los Angeles. What do you want to say? I want to say that uh, I heard you say that that uh, the drug wasn't, uh, wasn't brought in by the, uh, by the white man. It wasn't brought in by the CIA, no. Well, look, I, I would like to know by, by uh, we not having no, no, no boat, no, no airplane, <laughs> no ships, no nothing, how could they get in there without them knowing that it's coming in? They there, seem to uh, stop everybody else. But there are other people it, in the world it, besides white folks. Uh, well... <laughs> Well, uh, well I, I spoke of private, but, but in, in, in general, but uh, what I'm saying is they should have known it was coming in, shouldn't they? Well, let me ask you this. Okay. Why do black people take the drugs? Have you ever considered that? Yes, I have. So why do they take it? Did I just want to say it? No drugs? You ain't, got, you, you ain't got nothing else? Are you on drugs? Oh hell, oh, no! no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a job? No, I, I got, I got, I got hurt on my job in. Uh, but if you don't have 19- a job, wait, wait, wait a minute! I got, I got hurt on my job in 1987. But why aren't you taking I, drugs? Or I, if you're not on, if you don't have, why aren't you taking drugs? If you don't have a job? Because I have seen too many people lose everything they have on drugs. So then, why don't the other blacks do the same thing? Well, maybe they are not as strong as I am. All right. Thanks, they, they call. Yes, sir. Let me respond to that. Malcolm X, in a speech in Harlem, commented on that himself. He said, yes, blacks have no planes. They have no boats. They have any of these things that bring the drugs in. Okay, that was 30-some years ago. Today, we have the boats. We have the planes. We have the money. But what I hate is that every time something happens to the black community, it's never me. It's, yeah, it's all them. Right. It's you, us. You know it's, why it's, they you do know, that? Let me tell you exactly why they do that. Because... The black preachers have told them, you're not responsible for anything. It's the white man's fault, and give it to the Lord. Um, Maxine Waters and Diane, what's that woman's name? Watson. <laughs> She's so crazy, I can't even think of her name. Diane Watson and the NAACP and the Black Caucus, they've totally brainwashed black people, most of them, that they don't even think for themselves. So whatever they say, black people just follow it. I mean, you could, they can tell them to jump in the ocean because the white man is coming after you, and they'll go and do it <laughs> and believe it. Yes, sir. Uh, I just had a question for this gentleman over here. Kent. Kent. Um, I Gen- gentleman. Kent. <laughs> um, I figure a lot of people that's watching this is probably thinking you as a white man. What is it you think is qualified for you to comment on what we're talking about today? How am I qualified? Yeah. I mean, you made a lot of statements, a lot of comments about you know the situation of the black man, what his problem is and all of that. What qualifies you as a white man to, to say what that is? Uh, qualifies me as a, a citizen of the United States of America 
when I see something going on that's very clear, it's very easy for me to say, I can see that, and then I make a comment on it. Now, I care about the black man. That's why I'm here today. And so it's, it's a pretty simple thing. If you see your brother falling, you're going to say, hey, man, check it out. This is what's going on here. And that's exactly what I'm doing. I came down here for a reason because I want to help people. How do you feel about the attack on the white, straight male? It's disgusting. <laughs> I'm absolutely uh, <laughs> taken aback by this whole thing. And uh, I just want to let everybody know that I am single. I'm, I'm white. And I'm a heterosexual. And I feel good about it, too. So, uh, yeah, thanks. Children, how do you feel about the attack on the white, straight male? And do you believe that they are they are to blame for the destruction of the black people? I don't think the white male is to blame for the destruction of the black people. You know, it's just that old saying, you know, no one can make me feel inferior unless I give them permission to. So I don't think they're the blame. You know, they may, some, and I still venture to say it's probably less than 5%. There's no collective bargaining unit out there in a little cloak room that's making all these great decisions. How do you feel about the attack on the white male? I don't think it's an attack. I, don't, I had a white male ask this question about a year ago who came up and said that he was so tired of the white man getting attacked because every time he hears something, he hears about something's wrong they've done. I said, that's not attacking. That's speaking fact. I mean, if you if you brought somebody into slavery, you did that. Not you personally. But black people brought blacks into slavery, too. Too, but we're talking about numbers. Oh, so... We're talking if, about numbers. If, now, if five whites did it, and two blacks brought them in, attack the five whites, but leave the blacks out. Good. Here's a better analogy. Have you seen the new Wheaties box? No, I don't eat Wheaties. <laughs> one, one box has all white people, one box has all black people. One's all quarterbacks, one all runners. Is that fair to say that only white people make better quarterbacks? Only runners are, are black. You can't but, say that. But what they're saying is that, yes, the majority of people who brought slaves here, believe it or not, it was not the English. I know a lot of people pick on the English, but it wasn't there. You know, it was not black. But, but uh, tell me, it, white people are not black people problem at all today. Not today. Black people need, black people need fathers in their home. They need husbands. They need to teach their children how to think. But I tell you what's the problem. Right. There is no value in the black community it's the anymore. Ghost of the, it's the ghost of the white male in the mind of a lot of black people who, who gave them that slave mentality. That they, like, call, but, call, but young black people, but ha, have you ever mentality. been in slavery? Have I ever been in slavery? Were no. you a slave? No. And so you don't have a slave mentality, right? No. And so and you're black. But I know... How easy it is to be indoctrinated into that mentality. How easy is it? Very easy. How? I remember the days when I was young and we had the black leather jacket and the black beret and we'd march downtown with our banners. But that was 25 Listen. years ago. Times mm -hmm. have changed. It's not the same anymore. Yeah. You know, we're all not collectively fighting the riot on any this. seat in the bus. Time is like really moving fast. I want to ask this. Why are so many black men uh, so weak? They are afraid of black women. Uh, they don't know. Black men are very emotional. They're just like women. You know, very emotional, very insecure. They're always looking to the woman or looking to somebody to lead them. And there is no other race like that per se. Right. Why is that so many black men are like that? I have no answer for that. I don't. Have I you don't noticed know, that it is that way? I will comment that yes. Yeah. In a lot of neighborhoods throughout America, the black man is totally non existent in the house or anywhere. Okay. Uh, let's go to the phones. Caller, you're on the air. Hello? 
Hello? What is your name? My name is Ronald Thompson. Where are you calling from, Ronald? I'm calling from Los Angeles. Okay, what do you want to say? I'd like to know, um, those two guests on your show, do they know their nationalities? Yeah, one, do you know your nationality? Yes, I do. What is it? I'm American. And what uh, is yours? Nationality is an American. Uh, okay, nationality for Americans can't be true because America was named after America Vespucci. Is what? America was named after America Vespucci. <laughs> okay. That's uh-huh. a name, land, not a nationality. What is your nationality? My nationality, I'm a Hebrew Israelite. And that's where you're from? Yes, I'm from Israel. So you wasn't born in America? Well, when you're born, that don't make you nationality. Yes, were you it born does. in America? Yes, it yes does. I was born in America. Well, it does make you nationality. <laughs> no, you don't. You know what, Jesse? Why? Because simply, if you bring a, a lion from Africa, you don't become an American lion, it still keeps nationality. But you're not a lion. Well, and well then the Africa, as an example. Uh, and the lion, again. You know what? This show is ridiculous. For you to have two people who are talking about black folks, we're not telling them the nationality. But I can't believe that. How old are you? I'm 22. I can't believe that you live in America and you're not. You don't think that you're an American no. citizen. No. Well, that's the question. If, if, you, if, I, if, I, if I was born on an airplane, if I was born in Japan, would I be a black Japanese? Yeah. No, you wouldn't. You would be Japanese. Japanese, man. No, no, you wouldn't. You would be. Look in the no, mirror. You need to travel some more. Yes, you'd be Japanese. You know what? You're awesome fools. Y'all do, Amen. Y'all do so. Come on, don't so. denigrate the argument. Talk on our level. Okay, thanks for your call. And, and thanks Jesse, for your call. We got to go. I have one more question for you, Jesse. No, you can't ask another question. Yes, making that cash statement. We're going to take another call. Well, here he is. <laughs> we were born in America. We recognize that. And we're the fool. He was born in America. And he thinks that he's an Israelite or something. I mean, that's crazy. Crazy. this is what's so sad. This goes back to what I said earlier, though. This goes back to it. There, I've heard so many arguments that are just ridiculous, and I can tell these people did not do proper research. You know what? We are we have one minute, right? We are out of time. Uh, we uh, we meet every Sunday morning at the uh, Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny, and if you'd like to be a part of our meeting, you can call the one eight hundred four one one bond. That's one eight hundred four one one two six six three. And I have to say that if we don't get men back into their proper state of being, black people can give it up. It is embarrassing to see what's happening, so we'll deal with those issues. I appreciate you guys coming on, and thanks to Caller for calling in. See you next week. Bye.